Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well. Hope you've had a good summer. Of course, you've been listening to the Arsecast Extra, which we've kept going for the most part throughout the summer. But the Arsecast itself goes on hiatus during the offseason. But we're back. This is episode... 433, 433, a bit like episodes 352 and 343 before it, an actual football formation. Whoa! I hope we're still here at episode 3142, but you know, given the way the news is going, by the time this one goes out, we could all be dust. Anyway, we're back because the new season, well, it's here. It's right on top of us. It's starting, well, tonight. I was going to say this weekend, but tonight, Friday, Friday night lights, clear eyes, full arse. Can't lose. You know what I'm talking about. Friday night, though, that's weird, isn't it? You know, when you when you think about the start of a new season, you think about the first Saturday. You think about a sunny day, a three o'clock kickoff. It's August. It's still summer. The sun is shining. The shadows are on the pitch. People are in their shirt sleeves. But no, we're not getting that. We're getting a Friday night kickoff against Leicester. And if that doesn't quite sum up what this season is going to bring for us, in terms of podcasting at least, well, nothing else will because, well, we're in the Europa League. That means no football on a Tuesday night, no European football on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. It's going to be Thursday night, Thursday night football, which means for the Arsecast that goes out on a Friday, well, you know, we're not going to be able to do something unless I stay up really late at night, which I'm not going to do. I'm just going to throw that right out there. I am not staying awake until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning to record a podcast. So what we might have this season are certain podcasts, certain arsecasts going out on a Saturday or maybe on a Friday afternoon rather than a Friday morning. We'll try and minimize the disruption as much as we can, but, you know, I I don't know how it's all going to go. I've never experienced a podcasting season with a Europa League season before. It's a, it's all new to me. So, you know, as ever, we will make it up as we go along, but I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll cope. We'll manage as we always do. So what is the new season going to hold for Arsenal? It's a long, challenging, treacherous, difficult road. There will be ups. There will be downs. There will be sidewayses, some diagonally bits as well. I don't know, but here we are. You know, I, I said it on the Arsecast Extra on on Monday. Every time the new season begins, 
I'm filled with this childlike optimism that Arsenal can go on and do something amazing just because they're Arsenal. I have this sort of weird faith in the institution of Arsenal itself. And I know, I understand, I realize I'm a sensible person. I've been writing about Arsenal for over 15 years. I, You know, I get it. I know that it doesn't always work out like that, but it's still there, that little part of me that just believes. It has this belief that Arsenal can go and do something crazy like, you know, win the league. It's there. It's there right now. And, you know, the other part of my head is going, shut up. Come on, just don't. Don't. Don't get yourself all wound up like this. Don't set yourself up for a fall, you lunatic. What are you like? You know better. You know better than this. And the higher you set yourself up from to believe in the thing that you know probably won't happen, the further you'll fall. And you'll fall on your head. And your head has already sustained a number of serious blows throughout your life, which would explain many things. You don't need another blow to the head. But look, I I just can't help it. It is. It's there. It's in me. Like the alien inside John Hurt in that movie about the alien that bursts out of John Hurt's stomach and the alien runs around the spaceship. I think it's called Tummy Twat or something like that. Anyway, we are going to preview the brand new season, not just from an Arsenal point of view, but we're going to talk about the season in general, what lies ahead for all the big clubs in the Premier League. We're going to talk about the transfer market. We're going to talk about... How crazy it's gone. Who's spending? Who's not spending? Why aren't they spending? How much are they spending? They're spending that much on that? What the hell's going on? It's hard to make sense of the transfer market. We'll talk about the difficulties, perhaps, of selling players. And as ever, I'm joined by Ken Early from Second Captains and also joining myself and Ken, Chief Sports Writer from Joe Dion Fanning. So we're probably just going to get on with it because this is a fairly lengthy chat, a fairly lengthy podcast. So we better whack into it without too much of my and meanderings, but towards the end we will come back and just give a little bit of team news ahead of the Leicester game tonight, Friday fucking night football. It is what it is, and we have got to get on with it. So, without further ado, this is the first cast of the brand new season. Catch you on the far side. Enjoy. All right, with me now to discuss the start of a new Premier League season. I'm delighted to welcome back, as always, on the eve of a new season, from second captains, Ken Early. Hi, Ken. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I am all right. And also joining us this season, uh, sports writer with Joe, it's Dion Fanning. Hi there. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? Uh, It's going all right. So, look, I think the first thing we should start to talk about, uh, given that it's summer and it's the thing that people are... Uh, concerned about the most is uh, is transfers, and um, we saw the world transfer record broken. Ken uh, Neymar has gone from Barcelona to PSG, and it's something that you've uh, not taken against, I guess, but you've got a fairly different view on it for many people that you feel like Neymar has taken a step down that this is a move that he's made only for the money I think that's a point of view people can see but you you kind of want him to own that do many people not do, do many people disagree that it's a step down? I don't know. It's I, obviously a step down. Well, yeah, I, I think, uh, what was the line that you wrote in the article? The players have left Monaco to go play in serious, serious, leagues. serious leagues, whereas <laughs> Liga is is not. No, it's it's a joke. He, he's like, uh, there's no. it means that there's, most of his season is, is irrelevant. Mm. It's all about the Champions League. I mean, you could say this. Well, he's still in the Champions League, but the Champions League doesn't happen very often, you know. Football yeah. is a is a is a game that you play every week. It's not, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like the sort of 
I mean, even the NFL has twice as many games, you know, as the Champions League, and we're talking, and they cram it all into less than half a year. Uh, I mean, I keep hearing say, for instance, people people talk about some guy called Kyrie Irving. Now, I haven't got a fucking clue who Kyrie Irving is, but like I looked him up, and he's some basketball player, and uh, he's he's a, he, he plays for the Cavaliers, right? Uh, and he's annoyed because LeBron James is like getting paid more, or is more famous, or is better than him, or whatever. So he wants to go somewhere where he can be the main man, the franchise player. And why isn't that like Neymar? And the difference is that Kyrie Irving will still be playing in the NBA. I mean, if... If Neymar was to accept, or if, if it's like it's like if he the Neymar situation is equivalent to him accepting that is Kyrie Irving accepting uh, you know a contract to go and play for Real Madrid in the Spanish Basketball League, that's what Neymar's done, just because he's getting you know mm. more money than anybody else is going to get. You know he's already getting more money than almost everybody, and he wants more. And I just find it remarkable that a player that good would be that willing to step away from the the highest level of the sport that he could compete in but I mean Dion is that not what footballers have done all the time they've moved for money obviously there are sporting challenges and I can you know see the point that in terms of European leagues the French league is probably the fifth it's a fifth, it's fifth yeah. by miles it's, it's yeah. much closer to the sixth than it is to the fourth which is Italy yeah so I mean if you look at the coefficients it's like closer to Belgium and Ukraine than it is to Italy and Germany yeah I mean the coefficients you know whatever they mean but the fact is it's not a league historically that anybody outside France has paid any attention to and it's you know it's, it's a league that the if you look at the French national team most of them play abroad they don't play at home because mm-hmm. they know that this isn't really this isn't the place to play Dion what about the argument that Neymar's gone there to maybe be the start of something at PSG to uh, obviously I think it was Rory Smith um, talking could have been on your podcast Ken on second captains perhaps or maybe um, radio show anyway but he was talking about how PSG want to be the first big club of the digital era they're obviously a relatively young club in terms of their history they're only it was only set up in the 1960s but they obviously have this money this Qatari wealth fund behind them that in order then to build this I guess franchise into something uh, remarkable they need to make a big signing like Neymar so you can see it from the well, yeah, I can see it from there I can see it from their point of view I can see it from the point of view of uh I can just about see it from the point of view of this idea of, of Qatar uh, using it as a sort of to advance their sort of soft power in the world. But I even find that like there's been a lot of stuff saying this is how they will you know improve their image around the world. Uh, I kind of think ultimately though, being the club, being a country that owns a club that owns Neymar, isn't really going to count for much in the soft power world if you're kind of sponsoring terrorism and. Uh, you know, have sort of migrant workers dying while you're building a World Cup stadium. So, like, th- I don't see how that works either. Mm. Uh, from his point of view, I'm sure he can believe it's a project. I, I, I think people have done this before. I think, I think, you know, there's, and there's a view in England that players have stayed in Spain rather than than gone to England, have gone to the Premier League because it's an easier league to play and to win, to win individual honours because you don't have. Uh, you've, you know, okay, you've got actually you've got a competitive league, you know, in the, in the top you know three or four teams, but you don't have the 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 the, the drudgery of the, the, like the English Premier League. And you know, I think Manchester United, Manchester City put this out that that was one of the reasons they found it hard to attract certain players as well. So maybe Neymar is just taking that to the next step and thinking, uh, in this league where I'm going to be by far the biggest star, all the individual honours are going to come to me. Now again. 
that's to kind of agree with Ken in, to an extent that it is about promoting himself and making money, making himself the biggest name in the world. Although it was kind of working out quite well for him as, as, a, as a global superstar at Barcelona in the, you know, the greatest front line in the game. Mm-hmm. So you could see it from the other point of view as well. But uh, I think people have done it. Like, you know, Kevin Keegan joined Southampton. He was a bit older. He was like 29. Kevin Keegan joined Southampton when he was uh, European Player of the Year, except that he was going into the English First Division. Mm. But he was joining a club that people wondered what he was doing going to that, going there. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, is, is there something fundamentally wrong with a player who has a short career making a decision based on that and going for the money because players move for money all the time what makes his situation that much different from a, a guy who comes from Liga to go to the Premier League like you know um, that guy who's at Michi or something I mean Neymar's one of the best players in the world that's mm-hmm. the difference ne- Neymar is is you know supposedly the next you know when, when Messi's retired he will be the best player Hmm. And uh, he's already the thir- third best player in the world. Maybe Tevez is up there uh, now, but in terms name- of paid, paid, yeah, like thirty-seven million dollars the last time Forbes estimated his earnings. Um, so he's already making a, an enormous amount of money. Um, so the you know the marginal sort of get, you're into diminishing marginal returns money wise. At least you would have thought you could afford to think about other things, such as do I as the best player in the world. Uh, have a responsibility to play at the highest level that I can play at? Do I, have a, do I have a responsibility to my own talent to maximize that? Can I afford to think about anything other than money? Or do I have to do whatever Qatar wants me to do because of the fact that they're really rich? Mm. I find it depressing that he just, oh, okay. You know, that, that, it's, that, that even a talent like that can be just bought. Even somebody so wealthy can be bought, can be controlled by money. And also the fact that so many people think that this is normal. That just Qatar say, oh, you know, move here. Moving people around like pawns on a board just because they're they're really rich. I mean, the difference with Neymar is that the marginal... I mean, say when Michi went to Swansea, what was, what was he getting play, paid in La Liga before? Like yeah. 150 grand? I don't know. I mean, he's so he's making 10 times his money. Um, but he's also moving to, to play at a decent level. Um, players who go to China, for instance, I mean, say Oscar got tired of the yeah. Ch- Chelsea bench. I mean, Oscar's a pretty high-level player, but, you know, he's not he's not Neymar. You know, if Oscar had the opportunity to go to Barcelona for half the money, where do you think he would have gone? I mean, he, Neymar had a position in the game that everybody else envied, and he gave that up just because he wanted to, to make more. And to me, that says, here's a guy who doesn't care about the game. He actually doesn't care. But isn't that comparative, too? Like, Oscar is going, Oscar is going to China because that's the best financial offer available to him. Hmm. Uh, if he, if but, he's not, but look at what he's given up. Sitting on the Chelsea bench. Yeah, but but he's not. He, no, do you think Oscar? Do you think Suarez would go to would go to PSG? No, 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 I don't. No. But 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 why, I, but why is that? Because he cares about but, the game. But, but if you're living in a world where than. Oscar is going to China, Neymar might think that this is going to PSG is not uh, is not that unusual. If if the people you know if people around him are doing things like saying I'm off to China for a year or two, and you know, I've, you've heard I've heard this from like people you know from dressing rooms in England when the China thing exploded. Everything. The only topic of conversation in in Premier League dressing rooms was China and the money they're paying. Mm. So it is. It 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 it, it, it quite literally changes the conversation. Mm. So if you're Neymar and you're seeing this, you think, well, PSG isn't China. Mm. I'm still I'm still in the game. I'm still can win the Champions League. Mm. I agree with you. I think the Champions League 
especially the way it's become and it's turned into such a, a dud tournament that only comes alive in the kind of quarterfinal stages, basically. Uh, it doesn't seem like an awful lot to be kind of w- waiting for every I, season. I would compare it to, uh, say, for instance, what happens when the money started coming into English football. I mean, remember during the sort of 80s, especially after the European ban, uh, English or you know British players were, you know, even Mick McCarthy was at Lyon. Kevin Moran was at, like, Sporting Gijon. Mm. Um, you know, players were going to play in France, uh, Italy. Uh, you know, all the, the best players would, would leave because the money was better elsewhere. Now, when that started to change... In, uh, in you know after the, the Sky deal after the formation of the Premier League, what did you see? You didn't see the best players in Italy and Spain leaving. You know you didn't see Roberto Baggio going. Oh, you know it turns out I can make a ton of money playing for some crowd called uh, Chelsea. You know I'll be straight off there. It wasn't those players. It was guys like Hullet, uh, Klinsman, Viali who were. End of career. Past, yeah, they were past their best. They were they they were like the players who go to America now, or, mm. or you know the players, most of the players who are who are going to China. You know, they, they there was a tipping point as well. Though. There was a tipping point, but only after a few years of this process, mm. when you could look at the league and go, actually, you know, this is a pretty good league. Like these teams are doing well. Manchester United won the Champions League. You know, they were they were constantly in the in the latter stage. It was clearly a, a good yeah, league. Like and Burkham, that was when like went to Arsenal. That was before. You know, that was Burkham went to Arsenal because he'd originally gone to Inter, which was the proper league, and had had an absolute nightmare mm. there. He had a complete nightmare. I mean, he was just desperate to get out. He nearly went to Aston Villa. Burkamp was prepared to join Aston Villa. That is how desperate he was to escape from Inter. So you're always, you're always going to get these cases. The case of Neymar is not the same. Neymar is the is the you know the top player in the league, bar Messi and Ronaldo, the top player in the world, playing for in the mo- in the most enviable team setup, and he just throws it all away. It's crazy. But you you talk about the way it happened, and from uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but. Uh, the way it happened seems to be that, that uh, Qatar have made Neymar an ambassador, paid him a huge amount of money, which he then pays to Barcelona to buy out his own contract and then keeps the rest as his salary and signing on fee. I mean, as people who try and understand the game and try and understand football to a certain extent and how football <coughs> clubs can operate and uh, deal in the transfer market, this seems an extraordinary departure. It almost would be enough to make you... Suspect that the whole sort of financial and legal system is something created by really rich people to enable them to do whatever they want. <laughs> you, know, you would almost look at that and think, oh, how can this, you know, how can this be legal? I mean, where is the income tax on this due? You know, Lamar's just, you know, what's mm. what's actually going on here? Uh, but if you've got enough money, you can get away with whatever you want to do. But, um, Dion, it, it also is going to have an effect, I think, on the transfer market in general because it becomes whether people like it or not, it becomes a benchmark. That yeah. all of a sudden this is the highest transfer uh, fee ever paid. Therefore, everything else exponentially is judged off that. So a player who's a quarter as good as Neymar might be seen to be a fifty million pound player. I mean, we've Kyle seen. Walker. Well, that's what I was going to say. We saw it with, with Kyle Walker, uh, like fifty million pounds. He's the most expensive defender in the world, and like he's very good at running. Yeah, but. Is that what fifty million pounds gets you now? I mean, how do we try and make any sense of the transfer market anymore? Is it even possible to try and put a value on a player based on what we've seen? Well, it doesn't make sense if you look at what's happened with TV, you know, TV viewing figures and all that kind of stuff over the last year. Uh, but every football club is basing it on on the idea that 
when the next rights are negotiated, which I think it's next year, isn't it? Like it's early next year. Yeah, they'll be doing, they'll yeah. be negotiating them. Yeah. And you know, because Am- the, I think they're in the second year now of this yeah. current deal. Yeah. And Amazon are going to come to the, te- you know, they think there's already talking. You know, Amazon have bought uh, what did they? But bought some tennis rights, didn't they? They bought some tennis, right. and uh, there's talk that Amazon will come, Google might come. So they're basing it on the fact that even if the TV money goes, other money is going to come in, and and. It, because otherwise it is a bubble. Like people say, the market will take care of itself and all that. But that's what people always say about bubbles. Like, and the bubble is only a bubble when the underlying uh, structures turn out to actually not have been as secure uh, as as you thought they were. Um, and at the moment, it would look like with the TV with the TV watching in in the kind of precarious position that it's in, you think actually this does look like a bubble. Mm. And if you're spending fifty million on Kyle Walker, that's another sign of a bubble. Mm. But I suppose if you know if you're if you're if you're, if you're ba- ba- betting on someone like Amazon coming to the table and ensuring the revenue keeps coming in, then you'll think this is okay, this is sustainable. But does, doesn't that doesn't the threat of Amazon and those companies, streaming companies, people who we don't expect these new platforms that we you know haven't been aware of, does that not then drive the likes of Sky and BT to increase well, their offers I to just keep them away? Reading about a guy who's just left BT, who was a big supporter of, who was a driver in the kind of spending you know ridiculous money on the Champions League rights, which again makes no sense when you think of the attraction of the Champions League. Mm. The money BT spent on it was crazy. Mm. The guy who drove that, or some one of the allies of the guy who drove it, just left last week, and somebody else who may or may not be as gung ho about uh, you know sports rights is now come into that job. So it doesn't take much for one person to say, "Well, we're not going to bid." Uh, and Sky or Sky, <laughs> as, as Richard Keys, Sky, Sky have done their money, as Richard Keys <laughs> so famously, so famously yeah. said, like they've. Uh, they they spent so much the last time. It w- is going to be interesting to see what they what they did what they will do mm. um, now. And maybe they will be prompted by that. Maybe they'll say, "Well, we'll just we'll cut back." Who knows? But it's it, there's enough uncertainty there for you to say, "Well, is this the time to be spending fifty million on Kyle Walker? Is this the time to?" Well, the city are different case, aren't they? Yeah, well, city are a different case, but uh, city are more the Paris. Yeah, there is a, that is the uh, that is the but. You know, Eric Dyer. If Eric Dyer had gone for fifty million, that was my. Uh, I would have taken that as a sign to you know take your money out of the bank and put it under the mattress. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the bubble. You know, here comes the crash. Yeah. Uh, but you know that didn't happen, so maybe we're all going to be safe for a while longer. Um, in some ways, as well, it creates a bit of a problem. Arsene Wenger. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet this morning. He was talking about how there's congestion in the market. Arsenal have a lot of players that they've got to move on this summer. There's a lot of players who aren't wanted, who aren't needed, who are in the final years of their contracts, etc., etc. But the money that's in the Premier League, the the level of the players that's in the Premier League as well, have they made this, when we talk about bubbles, have they created a bubble in which you can only sell Premier League players to other Premier League clubs unless those players are willing to take substantial cuts and the clubs are willing to take much less than a player would be worth. So, for example, if a player at Arsenal wants to go to a club in France, they're not going to pay what Swansea or... or With one exception. I mean, I can think of one player at Arsenal who might end up at one club in France. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I suppose it's you're looking at... uh, it, it's obviously with the wages that people are on now. It's it's very difficult. I mean, they're just going to have to hope Sterling crashes. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only way they're going to shift shift some of these guys. 
Yeah, well, that is kind of what's happening mm. if we look at the markets. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, how have you viewed what, what the clubs have done this summer in the market? Obviously, um, Manchester City have gone out early. They've spent big money. Uh, they seem to have been fairly decisive. Manchester United as well have spent, even though if uh, Mourinho they've has been complaining. big players. They've bought gigantic mm, players, yeah. haven't they? It's like watching a rugby team. Oh, crazy. Well, did you watch the Super Cup? No. Um, it was I mean okay it, it wasn't it was an entertaining enough game but I just couldn't I couldn't believe this, this, this is Manchester United now how is there not uproar <laughs> seriously how is there not how is there not uproar it's amazing isn't it people's capacity for you know they'll be loyal to anything yeah. stick a Manchester United badge on it and they'd be loyal to like, until just, they turn, until they stop being loyal, and then you know, yeah, then there'd be hell people who, no fury like, who insisted yeah. all along. We didn't want a team of six foot three inch guys. You know, the ball looks really tiny next to all our players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, our players' feet are so much bigger than the ball. Like, like they're using a size four. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think it's incredible. You know, throw on Fellaini. Like, yeah. I mean, this is still this is incredible, and and. You know, I was watching the, the Community Shield as well, you know, and I was thinking, oh, here we are. Arsenal look very similar to last season. Not surprising, given that, you know, Arsene Wenger's still there. He managed to, he saw off all that unrest. <laughs> but he's the one who they're trying to chase out of town. And meanwhile, Fellaini, like, throw on Fellaini. That's mm. the extent of Manchester United's footballing ideas. Yeah. If it's not going well, stick Fellaini on. And he will, just by blundering about, make something happen. I, I find it absolutely amazing that people are, are putting up with this nonsense. Well, we spoke about that last year. You talked about the Mourinho style of football, essentially, is getting up to the big man up top, which was Latan, which, you know, was Drogba and what have you in the past. You know, it's not terribly sophisticated, Dion, but, you know, he's bought a big squad, spent a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him to, to deliver in his, you know, famous second season in which he apparently always wins the league. Yeah, there's huge pressure on him. And the problem is he can't do it any other way than the way he always does it. And when you watch the Super Cup, like I was kind of, you know, having not seen them this, this summer, I was kind of thinking, yeah, okay, there's a logic to this and Matic does make sense and uh, it's going to release Pogba and all these kind. And then you look at the Super Cup and you're like, release Pogba to do what? Mm. Because he still looks like... It just you know I like in theory it's a great idea and you can think that's what Pogba needs away kind of Steven Gerrard needed sort of mm. you know Mascherano and Alonso this is what will you get with Pogba but it doesn't seem to happen like he just does so many things badly he's still capable of the brilliant stuff but he does so many things badly uh, that you think well, that's kind of still a question mark Lukaku like he is a big but you know, even the things he's doing like the holding up the ball and like against Madrid. He's putting so much effort into holding up the ball. It seems to be it's all these things are kind of alien to him too. Like being the player, that being that player, I don't know how good he is at that. Because uh, when he was laying it off and stuff, I just looked at these guys. Really, he's kind of concentrating too hard on doing these things, uh, and then he missed. You know, the chance he missed, which is, um, you know, it was just a classic Lukaku mm. miss. Yeah. Again, the only other thing. United struggled so many times last season against weaker teams that he scores against weaker teams. So there is a, maybe a logic yeah. in that. Like Lukaku's ideal game, I think, is like when he was playing for Belgium against Ireland yeah. last year. And uh, and he was just absolutely running right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, against a, a disorganised rabble in headlong retreat, <laughs> Lukaku will yeah, yeah. absolutely clean up. Like well, 
he will he will wipe the floor with with all those themes. I thought that on RTE last night they showed the uh, you know they were talking about him being a flat track bully and then they cut to clips of him you know running through the Irish oh, defence and that's like yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the definition of a Kieran Clark in there I means you're, you're, you're he's a flat track bully. You can I mean I th- I think he's better like I mean as you're saying he, when he's talking. To you, Mourinho wants the centre forward who holds up the ball and so on. He is he is a, one of those players who, despite his immense size, uh, he he looks like a hold up centre yeah, forward. Yeah. But actually, he's a forward who's better when he's facing towards the goal and preferably running. Uh, and that's really where he's at his best. And it's okay. He, he could maybe adapt to to playing a different type of way, but I wouldn't expect him to be brilliant at it immediately. I do think he could easily score twenty five or thirty goals though, because well, I say, I say that because he's done it. Already, I mean, he's done it playing for Everton. Although Manchester United have usually had to face a different type of game from Everton, where mm. there there isn't really as much space, uh, and teams know that when they play against a Mourinho team, a good way to get at least a draw is simply to defend because mm. you know. But I mean, Zlatan got that many goals from Manchester United last season, and they still finished sixth. So yeah, you yeah. know, they need to they need more. What about uh, City, Dion? Um, Pep Guardiola came to the Premier League and. I think in some ways discovered that he's got to be a bit more adaptable to the uh, to the ideas that he has about the game. That certain things about the Premier League were, were a bit of a surprise to him. That he was obviously sitting in his his attic room, making his plans, drawing his diagrams, watching the opposition before every game, and then you know playing a goalkeeper for months who kept giving uh, goals away. I mean. I, Will he have learned a lot from that first season? And how adaptable do you think his ideas are? I, I don't know how adaptable they are. I think they're still fundamentally going to be the same. But I think the players they've got and they brought in make it easier for him to get the ideas across onto the pitch. And I think I do think I thought it was going to be between City and United. I, I do think City are going to win the league this year. I think Jesus was a great signing. I thought they would have made it more of a challenge last year in the end if he hadn't got injured. Mm. Uh, I thought he was a really good signing and that gives them a pretty dynamic forward line um, Sterling, so, Sané, Jesus, Aguero yeah. it's ridiculous yeah no it's, I think it's really I think they're I, I think so I don't know how much he, he will have to adapt I think like the fascinating thing with Pep is just that sort of sense of him always on the point of sort of uh, combustion like <laughs> uh, you know it's, it's um, and that was the if people want to think it's it was the Premier League or if that's just you know that's that's the way he's been as a manager his kind mm. of ridiculous intensity. Yeah. Uh, I quite enjoy his disdain for the for the press, <laughs> for the English press. Uh, no, it's very enjoyable. It's, like, it's, yeah, you um, know, I think that's kind of refreshing. Wasn't there a brilliant one last season where someone asked him and he went, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I know, but it? sometimes I'm looking at that. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it is good to see that sometimes because the questions they're asked are, are so stupid often. But there are other times when I look at Pep and I'm like, what right do you have to treat this person like that? And if you, if this is the way that you behave in front of an audience of literally 3,000 people on Sky Sports 1, you know... That what? many. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ratings have been falling. There are many, many more people watching illegally uh, on NBC or whatever. But if, you, if this is the way you behave in public, imagine what goes on at that club. Imagine what goes on. On the every, training ground. Every time, every time someone sort of... You know, questions Pepper or, or seems to stupidly not get what he's saying first time around. Well, the kind of things that happen, the little slights. Does he even know how disrespectful he is at times? Does he care about that? And I think it's something you do need to care about because the players all get pissed off and start bitching to each other. Uh, and, and suddenly you've got like, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it hasn't happened to him at his previous clubs. Uh, you did have players at Bayern talking about how they were looking forward to Carlo Ancelotti coming in, you know, and people <laughs> just start having fun again. You know, Zlatan was really the only one who broke ranks at at Barcelona and was like, this is a joke, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying, it, like I was reading, say, the other day, um, Robbie Fowler's autobiography, mm. which is a bit of a random one. I mean, it's from 2005, I think. He's talking, say, for instance, about Kevin Keegan, as who he worked with as England manager. Now, what would you say Kevin Keegan's great strength as a manager was? Man management. Man management. Right, you know, motivation. Mm. Like, come on, come on, lads, come on, lads. Getting all the lads together and, you know, maybe everyone is having a big gambling school mm. down the back of the bus. Everyone's down the back of the bus losing enormous amounts of money. And everyone is feeling great. Well, he said when Kevin Keegan was England manager, it was just that his, his attempts at man management were just a total disaster. Like, it was like having your maiden aunt... You know, hanging around the pool room, going, "Yeah, all right, that's like sort of trying to trying to chat to them," and they're just like, <laughs> "Yeah," and 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 he he writes them like literally, you're kind of awkwardly sort of smiling while edging towards the door, you know, trying to get. So the point about that is, what worked well for Keegan in one context at Newcastle mm. didn't work yeah. when he was in England manager. You know, it, time had moved on; he'd got a bit older. He'd maybe changed a little bit. Well, People's ideas about him had changed. Well, the thing they always sort of is, is sense whatever style of management it is, unless you kind of have credibility or, or you have the, peop- the players buy into it it doesn't work and I think Keegan the new- Keegan is a perfect example because he had he, at Newcastle he had this wave of, of adulation from the fans this sense of kind of uns- of momentum that things were they were just building and building and building um, and then when he went to England that was it was kind of like it was sort of a, an attempt to sort of recreate something mm. that you couldn't recreate in a different context mm. uh, and again yeah that, that idea but, you know, and he was the thing with Keegan was he was like a bit like Pep. He was actually extremely kind of he was quite brittle underneath, you know. So yeah. uh, he wasn't a man manager who was like if I can imagine, you know, if he, if if his attempts at sort of uh, enthusiasm backfired, he'd be kind of walking away deeply wounded at this idea. Yeah, that, you know, with everyone hearing the titters, <laughs> yeah, yeah, from behind him. But I just don't know if Pep can. Do you not think he has that credibility? Oh, he's got credibility. I think he does. He's yeah, got yeah. credibility. But I don't know if he has necessarily the same connection with these players as he did at yeah, Barcelona. Because I mean, at Barcelona, everything came together mm. to make it seem like this is this is you know essentially this is the cult you believe in. Yeah, like Pep, you know, he's got the he's got the history. He's everything. It's just a perfect combination. Sure, and, and, even, and such nice players. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a story about Iniesta that Pep is like struggling. Because he's like, did he lose his first two games or lose his first and draw his second inning? He didn't start great at Barcelona. Mm. And uh, he's there, you know, scratching his head in his office, uh, obviously thinking that the world is collapsing and everything is a disaster. When little Andres Iniesta pops his head around the door and says, don't worry, mister. <laughs> you know, we believe in you and we will fight with you until the end. <laughs> and, and, and like Pep is like, is there? And yes, the like smiles at him and walks away. And yeah. Pep is like, and his tears open. Yes, you're so amazing. And you think, well, okay, that's that shows what a nice man and dressing yes is. Mm. And, and also a good judge of a coach, you know. This, but like but most also, players are not like yeah, that. But also nice players, but also great players. So yeah. if you if you come in as a as a figurehead. <laughs> uh, and you've got Xavi and Iniesta and Messi. Yeah, it's easier to be the figurehead, especially when you've got Xavi and Iniesta who yeah. come through, and Messi who come through that 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 school as well. Yeah. It's no use Otamendi sticking his head around the door and saying, <laughs> "Don't worry, that's the whole problem." It's my problem here. Bollocks, Navas saying, you know, <laughs> "We're with you, Mister." Um, so, I mean, are they? Would they be your favourites? Yeah. Nevertheless, oh, definitely, would be your yeah, favourites. Yeah. yeah, because just the, their players are so good. Mm. 
I mean, the, their players are so good. We, we talked about their forward line. They've got uh, Silva, you know, still still pretty good when he's fit. Bernardo Silva, who's brilliant. Kevin De Bruyne, who's brilliant. Uh, you know, okay. They still don't really have anyone in... I mean, who do they have in midfield? Did they sign somebody? Oh, God. Who is their bloody... They signed it like a defensive midfielder. But the main thing they've obviously gone for is fullbacks, because this is the thing Pep had been yeah. complaining about. No Senya, no cliche, no collar off. I think he, he, he looks at me and he thinks there's a general deficiency of English football. There are no fullbacks here. And it was something also... I mean, I remember there was a Duncan Castles piece with a guy, the sporting director from Monaco... Um, Duncan Castles did a piece that wasn't about Mourinho? Yeah, well, look, it was the sporting director at Monaco. I mean, <laughs> who's the agent that, that brings the, most of the players in and out of Monaco? I mean, there are always these uh, these sorts of connections. But, you know, someone is connected to a particular part of the football world. This guy's, you know, Portuguese, I think, so he had some... But one of the things he said, one of the interesting things in this piece was he, he was saying, look, I look at England and I don't see any good fullbacks. The entire league, I, I look through the league. Who, which team in that league has good fullbacks? Tottenham, that's it. And obviously, uh, Manchester City have since bought one of those Tottenham fullbacks, and uh, he, he kind of is saying it's a general, it's a general. Defi- well, defending in general is def- is a problem in the Premier League. Mm. If you look at the, pre- I mean, I was saying this today on our podcast, but if you look at the Premier League fantasy football, the top defender in it is David Luiz. Now, I'm a fan of David Luiz. Uh, I wouldn't pick him in fantasy football necessarily, and he was by far the most popular defender as team selected by but if you look down the list mm. there are no good defenders you're, you're, you're looking at yeah. you're going this is a fairly mediocre bunch you know and it's it's it is a it is a general problem I mean this is the this probably is why I mean compared to like 10, 10 years ago you had uh, 10 or 11 years ago you know you had like uh, Vidic Ferdinand John Terry Carvalho uh, Sammy Hippia Jamie Carver, Ricardo Carvalho uh, you had Saul Campbell you know, you had you had really, really top defenders uh, in most of the big teams, mm. and that's no longer the case. You know, yeah, that's really not not happening. I mean, David Luiz is the best defender in the Premier League. He is, mm. and that's not good. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, uh, much as it pains me to say, it, you could probably make a case for the two Tottenham defenders who were very important um, for Tongan and Alvarez. Yeah, yeah, you, could, you know, yeah. They, they they remind me a bit of Carvalho actually, but I think I think the thing the case about Tottenham is, and this this is the other rare thing in the, in the Premier League compared to ten years ago, is that sense of a team being shaped by a really strong willed coach who's got a vision for them and has a very set way he wants them to play. And you know when you talk about those teams, that was when Mourinho first time at Chelsea, Benitez at Liverpool, uh, and they could you know they were successful in Europe. They had a way of playing that wasn't that attractive, but it actually they didn't concede many goals. Pochettino saw is slightly different, but at the same time he has a vision uh, that he's kind of uh, he's getting his team to sort of display, mm. um, and that doesn't that isn't happening. Like, to, like you know, Klopp had it a bit at Liverpool last season. Uh, but again, defensively, they're not not very good. Mourinho's style is Mourinho's style, but it's getting more and more uh, reductive. Um, Arsenal, you know, again, I'm not sure what Arsenal style. I, I think I'm not sure what Arsenal style is anymore. Like it's, uh, it's difficult to know. Yeah, it's it like is. the days of when people like people still the sort of a legacy issue with Arsenal. Where people say, "Oh, I love watching them," but you know they're not effective. And I kind of I don't re- you know. I, that no, way, certainly but, for the last couple of seasons, the yeah. football has not been what you would call traditionally Arsene Arsene Wenger football. But when we might come on to that, but just staying with Tottenham and Liverpool for a second, because we're talking about the top six. I mean, should it be a top seven maybe with Everton, given the, the money that they've spent? Um, no, I'm not sure. But I just want to ask, do you think part of Pochettino's vision 
uh, is to not buy any players this summer <laughs> or is that Daniel Levy's vision? Uh, that's always Daniel Levy's you know, vision when it, you know, they're obviously building a new stadium we saw the impact that it had on, yeah. on Arsenal who had a very you know as much as people want to say it, it had a massive impact Arsenal knew every season what they had to pay it was a relatively manageable amount Tottenham Stadium is costing yeah. twice as much as Arsenal's it's insane yeah yeah. Well, Levy should be paying more attention to that than <laughs> this is this is the project that needs serious management mm. it's crazy what's going on but you know again like the la- say follow the Ross Barkley thing Ross Barkley supposedly Tottenham would like to sign him from Everton um, a couple of weeks ago the story was well Ross Barkley will cost 50 million and then two weeks later it's like Everton drop asking price to 35 million Tottenham thinks still too high and I'm like how does this how are Tottenham the only club where this happens you know, the, the, yeah. you know they, they sit there and wait and the price comes down this is crazy these are they reverse the laws of physics that apply to everybody else apparently so I think that's what Levy obviously intends to do is wait 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 on the last minute uh, get mm. the players which is a little bit risky but maybe he thinks there's so much money at stake um, that's his only option. Yeah, I mean, but he also has a reputation to uphold now as well. Yeah, he can't go out. You know, this is he, he, he makes had, the best deals. Yeah, he makes the best deals. Well, certainly, when it comes to selling, he's got a good reputation for that, doesn't he? In, in terms of uh, yeah, but they also always work the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sissoko was a terrible signing, but again, mm-hmm. it's always done. There's always a uh, a style to it, which mm-hmm. is the kind of Daniel Levy way. So mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, I think he'll he'll do the same again, and yeah, but it is extraordinary. Maybe it's just the reputation he brings makes people think. Well, we're not going to get the fifty million, mm. so we might as well cut to, try and cut to the chase now, even though the chase will actually mm. end on you know thirty first of August or whenever. But I mean, I remember sitting here talking to you a year ago about Tottenham, saying, oh, you know, Tottenham after what happened to them last season, will they be able to do that again? I mean, they they, was so, they put so much effort into it yeah. and ended up so broken that surely this is going to sort of have a knock-on effect into the season and okay they didn't start actually that well they kind of drew a few games they weren't scoring a lot of goals and then suddenly they were away and they were the best team in the league I think I thought they were clearly better than Chelsea for two thirds of the season it didn't, but it didn't matter because Chelsea had, had sort of won it by Christmas run, yeah, yeah. Um, you know and, and they have been the best team over the last two seasons you know on points there are any prizes for this and so on I think to what I underestimated about them was just how good Harry Kane and Dada Ali really are. I mean, they're ridiculous. Um, I mean, again, they have to they have to sort of keep doing this, but they're clearly good enough to do that. Mm. I mean, it's uh, and I and I think Pochettino is able to keep it together. I do think if they don't sign anyone, they're going to have a problem if they start badly again because you know everyone suddenly starts losing faith. Mm. It's like, oh, what's going on here? You know, the stadium is is going to ruin us like it did all the other clubs who have built the stadium ever, and you know we're just going to lose our players. Everybody's going to leave. Um, they have issues with depth as well, don't they? Because they've got to play Champions League football uh, again. Obviously, they were uh, in Champions League last season, but they're playing at Wembley. Mm. They've got. Uh, they don't have the depth. Are they going to have ninety thousand people at every game? By the way, I, I is that what's going to happen? Like, no, I don't think so. Are they going to be playing in a, in a half-empty stadium, or they're just going to give out tickets free? Well, they're they're selling a lot of tickets at very cheap prices, I believe. Well, that could be amazing. I mean, it could be if they have. If imagine they have like a ninety thousand crowd, but Tottenham aren't going to get ninety thousand people. Why not? Would you not go and see Tottenham? Well, I mean, no, no, maybe it wouldn't be that, that rapidly partisan <laughs> a ninety thousand crowd. That's the wrong. But you know, if you could go and see a Premier League match for like a tenner, you know, yeah, maybe some people would would go. Yeah, even if they did have to go to Wembley, 
Yeah. You know, I think it would... I mean, I don't know what their, what their price structure is or how it's going to work out. I mean, it would obviously be but not great. You, can't, you, have to, you have to start... You can't just start selling them at... Like, if, if you start selling for a tenner... Then you've got, just got loads of people in the cheap seats and no one in yeah, the expensive seats. Yeah, and everyone's just going to wait for the £10 tickets to come on come and available. Give them any, give them so I don't know how money. that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you're, they'll just decide to have 50,000, 60,000. Do like, so they just do, do leave do the top deck. Yeah, do some donutting. Get away, like yeah. politicians, they sort of swarm around like the person making a speech to make it look like everyone's yeah. there. <laughs> they just do some donutting in the crowd and everyone will just be moving around. Yeah, yeah that's a, the, the issue of camera angles. That's, that's something Rory Smith says is a problem with Italian football. He says, well, actually, Italian football isn't as dead as it always appears to be on TV if you go to a game you'll see there's a massive crowd there they're just all in the upper tier of a two tier bowl stadium and the camera never picks up their presence you, mm. can, you can hear them in the background but all you see is this empty concrete lower yeah. tier and you think there's no one at this game and actually there's you know 40,000 people there and uh, this is a problem of camera angles that yeah. they really should address well I think that's going to be a challenge for them Wembley um, is not somewhere they particularly enjoy playing uh, as we they saw get used to it, though. They might do, might do, but you know, it's not home, so whether yeah. that has any tangible impact, we'll see. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. What about Liverpool, Dion? They, um, like some of the other clubs, are having problems signing the players that they want. I was listening, Ken, to your chat with the guys from uh, the Anfield Rap, oh, which yeah. was a really interesting podcast just to get their, their views on things and the idea of maybe selling Coutinho, which doesn't look like it's going to happen because Barcelona are going to go for Dembele, it seems, from Dortmund. So mm. Liverpool won't have another £120 million that they can't spend, Dion. Yeah, well, I think that was the big problem with Coutinho, if they were to sell him as well. It's just... Uh, who are they going to buy? Mm. Um, like, I do think there's probably, like, Coutinho, like, looking at him, he, he's not Suarez. You know, if you lose him, he's not Suarez. It's not it's not as big a blow, I don't think, to the team as losing Suarez. Uh, on the other hand, he's also not Jordan Henderson. You know, so you kind of need, like, he's, he's, he's pretty important in that regard. But the bigger problem is, I think he's replaceable, but the problem is they can't, they can't seem to get anybody that they want mm. so there's no point in selling them on that basis uh, I think I kind of liked what they were doing in the summer that they were set, like, and Klopp is sort of holding to it again you know we don't need to buy any defenders he's got his targets and he's not. if he doesn't get them he's not going to get anyone else but that is kind of predicated on that you don't lose any of your, your big players too mm. um, 
so they still I think they still need a defender again I think they need a defender but I also need to be able to defend like if Van Dijk com- comes to Liverpool goes to Liverpool I, I still see him as just the, the latest in a long line of players wandering around, wandering away looking kind of puzzled as they've conceded <laughs> from, a, from a corner yeah. you know that's the thing and it's uh, um, and until they address that which Klopp doesn't, hasn't, doesn't seem to be able to address either they're still going to have the same problems Mm. Van, the Van Dyke thing was interesting, wasn't it? That they, whatever they did there, or however they approached that, well, it's because they've had, they've had so many kind of dodgy dealings. You know, they, they they had this whole issue with the kid they they signed from Stoke. Oh, you know, yeah, they, they've yeah, got yeah. a transfer ban for young players already. Uh, you know, uh, a history of malfeasance. <laughs> uh, you know, the the Clint Dempsey thing didn't they announce they signed Clint yeah, Dempsey yeah. on the website? Yeah, you know. but this is also came this briefing. You know, our, our, not, I don't know if it was a briefing, but this uh, emergence of stories simultaneously that uh, Van Dijk wanted to join Liverpool and you know so much look forward to uh, working under Jurgen Klopp. And mm-hmm. they, it's almost if that it's almost if that uh, that desperate urge of Liverpool supporters online for you know like the you know the, the messages everyone you know Hen- John Henry got it for years like any time he post post anything it was just sign sign market sign Royce, Royce yeah. like just sign Royce and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's like they have to ult- at some stage like they kind of say we must resist we mustn't respond to this but like give them something yeah and yeah, so yeah. they just put something out there before they really should yeah uh, and it backfires and, and again you're seeing it with like. Uh, uh, like the new chief executive seems to be getting very irritated with people abusing people, people abusing him and like putting up sort of screenshots of you know uh, how some certain abusive tweets only got one like and this kind of stuff like and it's uh, did he do it? he put he started putting up screenshots he put up a screen I, yeah he put up a screenshot of uh, some abusive tweet saying at least it only got one like. Oh, right, but then yeah. it's going to get loads more likes. Yeah. If you I think it might have been deleted at that stage. Trying to stand up, you know, and he said, you know, and saying to them, "Not this is not my." Uh, I kind of even don't think that's what he should. Be, you know, the idea of saying it's not my responsibility. No, it's just like, oh, not me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. abuse that guy yeah. over there. It's Michael Edwards. You need to be getting on to. He's the guy who's failed to bring in any of these players. Please, Rick, yeah. that doesn't him. really speak to a cohesive strategy, or or it's just not common sense, is it? Because it's not. It's not. Let's be realistic. It is not. Um, Unique to Liverpool Twitter, that football Twitter in general is quite bonkers, and you know I know it from from Arsenal. Arsenal Twitter is a bit nuts as well, yeah. but it's just it, it, as a football club, you've got to take one view of it, right? You can say, well, look, this shit exists, but we should probably not engage with it. Yeah. As a football club, we should not really engage with it. I just feel as though, you know, I, I don't have any confidence in the in the institutional side of Liverpool the kind of uh, companies the front office is that the mm. or the back office front door back yeah I don't know the, 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 the team headed by Jurgen Klopp uh, seems to me to know what it's doing the you know the, the, I think he's doing a good job with the team you know I think they're they're generally playing well they play a good style of football I think he's good he projects a good sort of image he, he's he's got a, a good way of of putting things, you know, he makes people feel, yeah, you know, this is all. And it seems to me on that side to be a better run club than it has been for uh, at any previous time in the Premier League. But I don't really see that being, I don't, I don't really see the, the competence there on the, on the other side. I don't see any evidence. I mean, yeah. you know, this apologizing for tapping up a Southampton player, like what? 
What is happening there? Like the the inability to sign players, the 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 fact of this whole this whole uh, scouting team that's there with you know physicists and all this kind of stuff, um, and like they they conclude, yeah, physicists. You, you you hire physicists because they've got advanced quantitative problem solving skills. Uh, so you apply their giant. Do you know Dominic Cummings, the the Brexit Leave guy? He, he's all into this kind of stuff. Hire physicists, you know, sack John Snow from Channel Four yeah. News, sack Robert Peston, and hire physicists. Dan Hodges. Yeah, f- f- these guys just talk nonsense. Get physicists on there because they have got this. They can think in. Uh, they can think about numbers. They understand mathematics. They understand statistics, and they can solve problems. This is how problems are solved these days. It's not not by writing eight hundred words. You know, that's just that's just a lot of nonsense. Anyway, they they hire these guys, and what do they come up with? Oh, Simon Van Dyke. <laughs> You're like, well, you know, anyone could tell you that Van Dyke would be a good player. Like, sign Naby Keita. Oh, he'll, he'll cost seventy million. Oh, right, okay. You know, it's like, well, do you not have a second player? Is the, is the whole point of this not that you should be able to? You've got a list of targets, and you, if you, you don't get your first yeah. one, you move down the list. You should, yeah. you should be, and there's no point if if you just come back and say, "Well, let's sign the best defender in the league." Well, who doesn't already play for you know Chelsea? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like I, I don't really, I don't really see what value they're getting out of that. I mean, it is amazing when you look at it. How the Liverpool have never won the Premier League? It's incredible. It is actually incredible, and I know it's seen. It's it's a, well of course how people have got used to thinking them as a, as a as a kind of also round club, but actually when you look back at it, like no, there's no club that has had this many near misses that has that has been continually strong over the entire period. You know, strong enough to mm. be you know second, third, fourth, fifth without winning it at some point, without ever winning it, mm. and it's just because of this they've constantly been incompetently managed. Like it's that that has actually changed in the, on the football side. <clears throat> But I think that you know, on the on the other side, mm. it's not really there. And, and then they've got this other issue, the the, the reputational issue now, of uh, well, people don't think they're a big club anymore. You know, at least in the nineties, it was like, oh, Liverpool, Liverpool want me. You know, that was a mm. big deal. Like Alan Shearer probably would have joined them if they, you know, actually paid the money yeah, to yeah. The, this kind of thing. Whereas they wouldn't get a player of that status now, mm. and they lose the, all their best players join Barcelona and Real Madrid, and it's not just. Like Coutinho, Suarez, you know, Mascherano, Alonso, players, the Latin players. It's it's McManaman and Owen, like players from <laughs> players from the same part of England, also go to Spain because I mean, in both cases, in both of those cases, because Liverpool had screwed up on their end of the. Uh, see, this is why I was reading Robbie Fowler's book the other day. He's he's very very harsh on how they screwed up the the Steve McManaman deal. You know, well, that was his best mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as not as greedy or, or crafty as a lot of people thought he was after that move. <laughs> Actually, Liverpool had shook hands in the deal, then came back to him with a lower deal. He said, "Well, you can't expect me to do that." Yeah, and they said, uh, "Well, we do actually." He said, "Well, actually, I'm going to join Real Madrid." Well, they nearly lost Gerard to Chelsea in a similar way. Mm. They, they when they, but I, it's, it seems like it's a thing that football clubs do because when Arsenal signed Mikel Arteta from Everton and that crazy like end of August, that like mm. after the eight two, they'd agreed a deal with Everton, and then as he was on his way to London, they made a lower offer. And like after his first season, he said, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. And after his first season, there was a delegation of players went to the club to say, look, you fucking yeah, you can't lowball this guy. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Give him a new deal, which they did. He nearly crashed his car off the road when well, he yeah. heard that. Another yeah, one. He swerved yeah, another one. <laughs> well, look, let's, let's talk a little bit uh, about Arsenal. Um, Dion, they have a very big squad. They've added a couple of players in... Uh, 
Kalasinak and Alexandra Lacazette. Mm. Uh, and, and the overriding issue, though, has been that of Alexis Sanchez. Um, I know people are really cynical. This morning, there was a press conference. Arsene Wenger said he's out for a couple of weeks, and everyone's going, oh, well, look, that's it. They're going to sell him. This is all part of uh, the, the process of selling him. Whereas the, the message from Wenger throughout this summer has been really, really consistent. I know he said it in the past about players like Van Persie and Fabregas and Nasri, but he's been absolutely strident this summer about uh, his desire to, to keep Alexis Sanchez. Do you think that's the right decision for Arsenal to make yeah because I don't know I don't know what they'll do without him I thought some of his the way he behaved last season was ridiculous mm. and uh, um, if if they had more if they had better players you would think right this is this is a player you need to kind of get out of here because he's, he's making such a show of being upset and uh, being the only player who really cares and all that kind of stuff that was kind of tiresome Um but Arsenal's problem again is who who they like. It, there is such a randomness to how they approach transfers on who they get, and their inability to really get players who will make that key difference. Mm. That uh, I don't know what you do if you lose Sanchez. I also think the thing like Wenger is an amazing way, and he does this with a lot of things of uh, insisting that what is happening in his in this particular case is indicative of a broader trend. So yeah, and also, and I'm trying to insist that this is the kind of best way of looking at it. So when he says Sanchez will see out his contract, you're going to see a lot more of this happening. Uh, it's kind of like he's willing it to, you know, this is what's yeah. going to happen. Whether we, whether that's true, whether or it's I, true or not, yeah. but it's like I've detected uh, a, a global trend here, and it, it tends to be more of an Arsenal trend rather than a global trend a lot of the time you know like when he says about society like you know he may be right or he may be wrong but he's kind of talking about Arsenal fans rather than society as a whole although maybe they, they mirror society um, but it's not really pretty good cross-section of London society oh no cross-section of, yeah it's, it's, uh, it is yeah it's, um, but it doesn't mean it, it doesn't I don't know how much of the broader society he's, he's talking about rather than just people saying you know, stand, you know sitting in the, in the stand holding up signs with wish lists of players and stuff like that that sure. you can see at, see at the Emirates. What do you think of the Sanchez situation? I mean, to me, it makes sense for Arsenal to keep him for another season mm. simply because if you get £60 million for him, what do you buy for £60 million that is going to replace what Alexis Sanchez can do for you? Maybe you buy someone like Thomas Lamar who in two seasons could flourish into to that kind of a player with that level of productivity. But if Arsenal really want to challenge for the Premier League title then they've got no option but to keep Sanchez and maybe look at uh, if they're going to take a financial hit on him try and offset that by selling somebody else who's not quite as important they, they should absolutely keep him because um, you, you look at the fact that they're, they've already taken a financial hit they're not in the Champions League they need to get back into it or if they don't get back into it they will take another financial hit um, you know if they lose Sanchez for nothing they take a financial hit mm. but you know, if they have Sanchez, they've got a better chance of not taking the first financial hit of failing to get into the Champions League. So, and and then being in the Champions League is good for your status. You know, in terms of getting somebody to replace Sanchez when he leaves on a free transfer, which he may or may not do. Yeah. Because the other thing that you say to Sanchez is, we're not going to sell you. Here's a new contract with a pay rise. Up to you. Well, that, to me, that makes a lot of sense. 
that you know if there's an acceptance that he wants to leave but and and part of the reason let's face it part of the reason that he will want to leave is because he's 28 years of age he's at the 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 point in his career where his earning potential is at a maximum mm. um you know going back to what we said about Neymar and players wanting money that uh, a situation relatively similar to what happened with Suarez he got a big pay rise at Liverpool with the understanding that if the right bid came in from the right club that they they would let him go mm. so Sanchez if he's earning 140 120 130 grand a week at Arsenal now could have a season of earning twice that mm. and then and then move Leave so on a, from on a buyout clause yeah, yeah. yeah. so from both sides it, it makes a bit of sense I, I can see that that's uh, possibly being worked out but even if Sanchez was to say no I won't sign any I won't sign any of your damn contracts <laughs> then they say well okay you can stay here until the one you have runs out but we're not going to sell you because we at Arsenal have been hoarding cash for so many years that we can take that we could take 10 of these financial hits and not even blink that's how much money we have been hoarding Mm. and uh, you know, that money has ultimately got to be used for some purpose other than just enriching you know, the people who own Arsenal I mean surely at some point they, they've got to spend it on football I mean they're, they're doing that I know Arsenal are a big budget club they do spend plenty of money on their team but you know they could spend as we know they could spend a bit more they're, the, they're a club who could afford to, to tell Sanchez now we, we actually need you more than the, the, money. the money which we what, what are we going to do with the money like like as you said by Lamar mm. who isn't as good as you maybe he will be but yeah. like he probably he, he won't be this season anyway no. I mean like you mentioned Lacazette as well like I'm not not too sure about Lacazette I mean he obviously looks <laughs> your face is look you look so disappointed already. no 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 I mean I understand the concerns because he, he scored a lot of goals in France but I think you've got to take into account the level of the yeah. of the league and the level of the opposition and look he's a player that's been on Wenger's radar for a long time but he's never quite been convinced enough to go for it yeah. this season maybe I don't know he's 26 he's at exactly the right age perhaps but I just think it's it's expecting a lot for him to be really good in his first season because it will take a while for him to get used to a much faster game. Maybe he'll thrive. Maybe this is what he's been looking for all along. Mm. But, you know, I think... But the a, problem with Arsenal is that they've never addressed and the, the actual fundamental kind of structural flaws in, this, in the side, no matter how much money they spend, have never kind of attacked the the... the, the the, the, the fundamental kind of failings of the team so you get Ozil you spend a lot of money on Ozil but Ozil is just a kind of enhanced for Sanchez to a degree uh, addresses some things but you, you, you have these summers where you kind of think it's clear what Arsenal need to do now mm. uh, and it doesn't get done it, the, the, the kind of getting a team that has a, a different heart that doesn't have that doesn't still have Theo Walcott in it as often you know these are the, these things well I mean I think that's true of the team as it stands I mean the move to the back three has, has pretty much negated Theo Walcott's position in the team because if it's if it's not if he's not a striker he's not really one of the but, two but, behind yeah, but the strikers but, it, but, it's, but I mean, taken so long, it's taken so long sure. to kind of deal with this which is kind of such a, fa- a failing and it's not ju- it, it's sort of Walcott as, as emblematic of something as mm. well you know and it's uh you don't want to get all kind of Roy Keane on it, but like it's sort of that kind of you know Kieran Gibbs captain thing uh, that is never really addressed. Like Suarez, bang the same drum about Arsenal, but like this, this, this not signing Suarez was the big, I, like one of the big turning points in their kind of recent history. I think because you when you sign Suarez more than any other player, more than Sanchez, 
you were saying, right, we're, we're actually now going to be a different team. We're not mm. going to be, uh, we're not, we're not going to be the kind of nice guys. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, putting aside, you know, all his, like my favourite thing Suarez did at Liverpool, apart from, you know, as, as a, as a kind of presence on the pitch was that time when they were playing United at Old Trafford and a, Ryan Giggs was uh, about to head a ball and suddenly he let it drop behind him and Suarez sneaked, nicked in and ran off with it and Giggs started shouting at the referee and Suarez had shouted, my ball. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even get away with that in Sunday league. Yeah, for because you don't have it. It's one of those things in professional sport, nobody does it. It might happen in Sunday league and then at a certain level, it's so disrespectful that nobody does it. Mm. And Suarez at Old Trafford did it. And Giggs was just like looking at the ref, going, what, are you going to do something about this? And Suarez was kind of heading towards goal. And I said, that's, you know, like that's everything you want. That's everything kind of Arsenal every club needs really yeah. but like he would have he would have fundamentally like like a virus he would have attacked all the things that are kind of all the failings in the kind of well either that or, or Theo Walcott would have ended up looking a bit like Voldemort uh, <laughs> as Suarez bit his nose off I mean, <laughs> like you know I, I don't know if I don't know if, if, he, if you put him in there I think he might have gone crazy yeah I possibly uh, I mean the, but the, the problem with Arsenal like I mean Switch the three at the uh, back. Three at the back. After what? Twenty years. Mm-hmm. What? Suddenly, this is a good idea. This is nonsense. Well, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's just difficult to take Wenger seriously when he does that. It's like it just looks as though this, you know, um, this sort of eminence grease of the game, uh, who has religiously had a had a flat back for you know for his entire career at Arsenal, pretty much. I mean, it was basically the first thing he did when he arrived, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, we're not playing back Change, three anymore. Yeah. That's, a, that's a that's a lot of nonsense. Yeah. You know, uh, has suddenly it's like looking over at. Antonio Conte doing it it's like oh that seems to work well I mean I think he was in a and position where he'd, he'd literally but he and the team had hit a wall so but he's he also desperate left. isn't but like you look yeah. at what he said in the past about sporting directors various things that he's now kind of more open to mm. uh, you know there was a time when he said you know today a sporting director arrives at the club it's a day I leave or something like that you know there yeah. was some like I mean, he's, look I think like, I think you know he's, he's obviously a proud man I think he was uh, the, the idea that somebody might come in as a footballing director and have authority over the team. But, you know, you can't tell the 67-year-old man who's been in the game for 30 years that some guy is going to come in, you know, in a suit, maybe a physicist, mm. is going to come in and start <laughs> signing the players for him. So I, I get that to a certain extent. Oh, I um, get it. All. I get know. it at all. But I think there's a, there is a... There is a, a it's just it's all it's just the kind of sadness of the Wenger story like that everything even going like something that is just tactical like switching to you know three at the back yeah. is actually kind of a signpost in his in the kind of the sad decline and the sort of this story that won't kind of a- end and refuses and like you keep thinking when is this it, it, I think the strangest thing about this summer is that there isn't even it's it's it, it's sort of just becalmed well I mean Winning the FA Cup went a long way to calming people down. You have, no to, you have to accept, like, I mean, you should accept that, that uh, winning FA Cup is worth something. I mean, Manchester United didn't when they sacked Louis van Gaal immediately after he won it, like seconds after. But they won the FA Cup. It didn't stand for much the last couple of seasons when people were enraged, you know, by, by November or December when the Arsenal won yeah, the Yeah, I mean, it, so. doesn't, it, it stops you getting sacked after, after yeah. the game. Or it should. I think in some ways beating Chelsea 
was as significant as winning the cup. Yeah, and City as well. I mean, they beat City in semi. Yeah, but beating, yeah. Beating, beating Chelsea to win the cup by beating Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. was stopping them doing the double, yeah. and obviously yeah. it was a, it was a fantastic performance on the day from yeah. a, a fairly. I won't say the entire team was makeshift, but certainly the the back three was yeah. was makeshift. Um, what are they going to do with Oxford Chamberlain? This is a big question for me because I I really think that he could go. I he spoke about him at his press conference. Said he's a fantastic player. He's on the way up, but Oxley Chamberlain wants to play central midfield. Hmm. That's where he wants to play. And what we've seen over the course of preseason, he didn't even play him there in preseason. He's playing like Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Joe Willock young players he's giving them games in central midfield he's not playing Oxlade chamberlain in central midfield he plays him as a left wing back in the community shield I don't think he was particularly good on the day Mm. Um, but he's obviously not ahead of Bellerin in the pecking order now we've got the new guy the Bosnian guy who came on and looked absolutely great played as part of the the back three but Mm. that's where they've bought him for for that left sided role and it's hard to know where Oxley chamberlain plays. When you've got 12 months left on your contract like he has, what do Arsenal do in that situation? If they're not going to play him where he wants to play, yeah. and you think he's going to be a great player, mm. no, it's, well, it's hard to tally up those two things, isn't it? That belief that he's going to be a great player if you're not prepared to play him where... Where he wants to play. I mean, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of great player does he think he is? I don't know. And he's I mean, always said he's going to be a central midfield player, but like... Yeah. never uses him there unless it's an emergency yeah I always thought he was going to be a central midfielder when he emerged first he did look like he was going to do it there mm. um, but yeah I, I don't know what they'll what the, if but then who are you going to sell him to and how does that how does that impact you if uh, yeah if, if he, he goes on to thrive yeah. somewhere else yeah. sometimes that happens but it is but I mean if you're, if, you're, like if, he, if you're not if you're not going to use it see it's yeah. a different case from Sanchez because Sanchez is obviously a key player in the Arsenal team and he plays all the time whenever he's fit and is brilliant whereas Chamberlain could easily be on the bench and no one would pay any attention no one would notice so he's not he's not really a core player there he doesn't he hasn't sort of managed to define what he is or or obviously his definition of himself is in conflict with, with Wenger's so you know he, he should be forcing his way out of there you know he's saying look come on this is nonsense why are you keeping me I, you don't even want me you know, I sh- I, I've got X offer, Y offer. I mean, I don't know if he has any offers. Mm. Um, I mean, he- was, there was stories linking him with, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea, um, which obviously are, 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 you know, the strongest teams, some of the strongest teams in the league. It shows that he's obviously a highly rated player. But if there's no point, especially at this stage in his career, sitting at Arsenal and not really... No, well, he's not signing a new deal. He's been offered a new deal, and he's not signing it. And he says it's not about money, it's about where he's going to play. And that, to me, is the big the big issue because if he's not going to play him if he doesn't see him ahead of Bellerin and he sees him as a backup left wing back mm-hmm. where the hell you know what is what is the future for him we'll see but um, just before we finish up um, Dion Arsenal have a different European adventure ahead of them this season the Europa League is obviously not where they want it to be but it's where they are mm-hmm. and given the record in the Champions League like seven successive seasons going out in the round of 16 in various different convoluted ways <laughs> sometimes to great teams other times to not so great teams you know winning the group last se- uh, last uh, last season and then ending up playing Bayern Munich anyway mm. there's a repetitiveness to to that certainly from an Arsenal fan's point of view the Europa League is something different and if we're being realistic about Arsenal's European calibre a reasonable trophy uh, that that they could go for. Yeah, but again, the the problem 
I actually would really I'd like Arsenal without any European football might mm. be the kind of that might be the best thing for them this season if they're in that position that Chelsea and, and Liverpool were in. I don't yeah. agree with that actually because yeah. no because of what Gary Cahill was pointing out about the match program. Look how many players Arsenal have. I mean, they literally have an entire squad more players than Chelsea. Seventeen, <laughs> they had seventeen more players. Now, I know not all, not all of these players are senior, you know, top first eleven type players, but they have such a massive squad. You were already talking about the difficulty of moving out some of these guys. One thing the Europa League does is give game opportunities to people. You know, mm. and you can do that. It's the only sensible way to do it, really, to play the because it is is physically difficult. You know, especially after. Um, you know, in the in the new year, to to it starts kind of early, and there's so many games. But if the kind of group stage can be handled by your squad players, I mean, you should try and do that. And then mm. once once it's in the knockout stage, well, then that's a more interesting kind of football to be playing anyway. You know, that's it would be good for them to get a bit of practice playing knockout football because every time they're in a knockout tie, they lose immediately in in, <laughs> in European football. That's what's been happening. Yeah, I think for, you, for a I, in theory you can do that with the squad, but I, I you really need to say right, we're going to leave. Like ten players behind, absolutely do you that. Know, you know, don't bring them. Don't uh, have any involvement. And then, but, th- but then, if you go, and then if you go out, maybe you go out. But I, I think uh, I, I would be interested to see Arsenal do well in a knockout tournament. I think there's something about Arsenal in knockout European football that, whatever the situation, that there's something in the, again the personality of the side that means they, they like Monaco being the great example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that they they, they stumble, um, but. I think you need to be really firm on that because otherwise it's a drain. Like in the Thursday Sunday thing, I think is a re- I think it's a real drain. I think it, it has a it, there's something about the it, it, for some reason it feels a lot closer together than like Wednesday Saturday Champions. It League does even games. in my head when you yeah. say it. I was thinking it's the same as Wednesday to Saturday, but Thursday I just can't Sunday understand just, why it's why it's well, different. I think it's because I think it's something to do. With, I think it's something to do with. Building up, this is you know, this is no basis in any scientific fact. Yeah, no uh, physicist, no physicist would, would endorse this <laughs> this message. But I kind of think you're into you're into thinking about the weekend's game immediately. Yeah, because you play on a Thursday night somewhere, you get back in the middle of the night, yeah. and it's Friday, and then it's all. Once you get to Friday in English football, in, you're all you're thinking about is the weekend. Yeah, so your preparation, you're kind of into the build up, even if it's a Sunday game. Yeah. It's into the kind of prep for the game, so it it has a lag that doesn't happen when you've a Wednesday and a Thursday is a kind of a clear day, where you're not really there's a sort of a, a no man's land between the Wednesday and the weekend. This is my own. This yeah. is my only way I can mm. explain why it feels so different. And it, yeah, and it is. I suppose it kind of is a reinforcement of your secondary status as well. Every week, like well, there is that, but I I do think you're. Just immediately, it's right. What do you do? Right, it's fr- Friday is a build up to the weekend. Friday is when teams have their press conferences. Most of the time, they start talking about the weekend. They start fix- f- focusing on the weekend's games, whether they're Saturday or Sunday. So the minute you play, you're now thinking of the of the weekend. Yeah. Whereas when you play on a Wednesday, there's just that little there's that little gap that means you can. I, I think maybe you recharge in that time psychologically. They like clearly. Uh, physically it doesn't have any shouldn't make any difference but there is just that thing of uh, and then it just seems you know, there's something about this yeah and there's the, there's the drudgery of it I, I think it also taps into that idea that mm. this is your lot now you're yeah. in Europe League yeah yeah no, you failed it's, it's, in some way yeah I mean I, I think I still think they can't really afford to to I mean the fact is an English team has got to the final of this the last two seasons mm. um 
and Manchester United are in the Champions League thanks to it I mean imagine they hadn't imagine Jose Mourinho said oh, I'm not interested in that if he'd been consistent but, but if then he had what, stuck with his with his everything he'd previously said about but the but this Europa is League. the bind isn't it yeah but but you then have to do you then say well you know this will be quite a good way if we're struggling if we're fifth or sixth in February or March this will be quite a handy competition to be in do you then hold to your line if you've got a tricky game in October you say right we're leaving everyone behind uh, or, you know that's the thing so like do you if, so you mean if you've got a tricky game in the Premier League and you rest all your players in the Europa League for no no if you, don't, if, you, if you hold to the line we said you should, you should hold to if you're Arsenal and not bring the first team oh, yeah. to Europe but if you've got a tricky game and you think actually I would like to be in the Europa I think I don't want to get knocked out of the Europa League can I leave everyone behind can I leave my first team behind yeah. so that's when it gets tricky because it is a good competition yeah. to have in you know to, for, the, for those reasons like it's a great way uh, of getting into the Champions League and if Arsenal want to get back into the Champions League it may be their best chance it may be their best chance but it's an awful lot of effort by by going for it you're almost saying this is our best chance because you you take something away from the league yeah do you see? Do you see Arsenal as top four realistic top maybe, four contenders? Maybe. I mean, see, no one really knows what's going to happen yet. I, I think. I think City are the best team. I think, you know, the other teams are a little bit. You know, I mean, I'm a bit confused by what's happening with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand why they're so blasé about losing important players like Costa and Matic without really. Mm. I mean, what? Okay, they have got Morata and Bakayoko, but you know. What if Mourinho was right? What if it turns out that Chelsea are uh, the last season implosion at Chelsea and Mourinho was actually down to the hierarchy of the club? That would be... Uh well, it'll be disappointing. I mean, disappointing for all of you. us. <laughs> 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 I've insisted that they reveal deep character flaws. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at, you know, when you look at Chelsea at the moment, you're going, oh, yeah. um, how come this is happening again? Yeah. Uh, like, there, there are certain things going on and, you know, Conte has, has kind of frustrations that that look familiar. Yeah, and the, and the fact of Hazard isn't, isn't fit. I mean, he's not he's not going to be fit, I guess, for a while. I mean, even if he's if, if he's back in training and so on, it takes ages for him to get up to um, his kind of match winning speed. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a huge problem because I mean, Hazard and Costa were half their team last year, and one of them is going to be gone. The other one is is going to be. Maybe only getting into his best form a bit later in the season than they than they need him to be. So, yeah, I, I mean, I certainly don't see them winning the league again. But then again, this time last year, I think we did a uh, preview where we basically didn't even mention them at all as yeah. contenders. We just didn't mention Chelsea, and they ended up uh, walking away with the league title. Yeah. So, so who really knows? I just think City are the best team, uh, and they have the best squad. Um, the other teams anything could happen between them yeah so you're looking at three out of the other five really yeah for that alright well look we'll see how it goes and hopefully we'll catch up with you guys during the season Dion thank you very much cheers Andrew Ken thanks as ever thanks Andrew Thank you very much indeed to Dion and to Ken. Hope you enjoyed that season preview. It was certainly uh, in-depth enough. Dion is a sports writer with Joe, joe.co.uk or joe.ie. And Ken is part of Second Captains in a summer in which podcast upheaval has been all the rage. To my mind, the best general football podcast you can get is uh, Second Captains. You'll find out more info at secondcaptains.com. They do work on a Patreon model as well. So you get a certain amount of free podcasts. But if you subscribe, you get a whole week of podcasts 
podcast and uh, some really great stuff in there aside from football as well. So thank you to both of them, Ken Early and to Dion Fanning. So we have got a game against Leicester. Some good news when it comes to the team news. Obviously, Alexis Sanchez is out injured. Just leaving a gap there for someone to go, Oh, he's fucking not. He is. He's got a, an abdominal injury. Some people think it's convenient. Some people think it's a precursor to a sale. My information is, it's just an injury, an ill-timed injury. He was never going to start against Leicester anyway. Barely had a week of training, and now he's out for a little while. I know some people would be suspicious, but look, all I can tell you is that my information is that he is actually injured, and the club's position on Alexis Sanchez has been very, very consistent all the way through the summer. So I think we can take this at, at face value. I don't think there's anything suspicious. There's no conspiracy. It is just an injury. But the good news is that Mesut Ozil is back in full training. Aaron Ramsey back in full training. Francis Coquelin back in full training. Per Mertesacker, after getting a nasty cut to his eye in the Community Shield, he's back in full training. So some of the issues that we had going into this first game of the season, well, they're not as serious or not as uh, damaging as we thought they might be. There is, of course, a big, big squad at this moment in time. We need to get rid of some of those players, of course. It's uh, it's going to be the end of the month, I think, before we get rid of... Get rid of? It sounds awful. But it is true to a certain extent. These players are surplus to requirements. But there's not much going on at that end of the market, is there? There's not much movement really in Premier League terms uh, between Premier League clubs and certainly not from Premier League clubs to clubs outside of the Premier League to Europe because of wages and transfer fees being a bit prohibitive there. But I think towards the end of August, we're really going to see some movement. But we have got to concentrate on our game tonight. We've won one in our last seven opening games of the season. That is a poor record and one that I think we need to overcome. Whether it's a psychological barrier or something else, I just don't know. You could point to a couple of seasons where we weren't properly prepared and paid the price in terms of results. Uh, I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're found wanting in terms of preparation this year. Um, even if I do think we need a central midfield player, we've got a big squad. We've got a very big squad. So I don't think it'll be down to lack of preparation, but we've got to, we've got to get the focus right. We've got to get the, uh, the approach right. We've, uh, we go into the game in relatively confident form, having beaten Chelsea in the community shield. Uh, but can we get rid of this? opening day millstone from around our necks or opening evening millstone as it's going to be I very much hope so because it would be great to get the season off to a good positive start because after Leicester we've got trips to Stoke and Liverpool so it is a tough tough start to this season and I really think we need to get ourselves going for everybody's sake for the team for the fans just for the mood in general it would be fantastic to get off to a winning start against Leicester tonight as ever we will have a live blog for you on arsblog.com you can find out more details on site. We'll have all the post-game stuff, match report, goal clips, stats, player ratings, everything else. We'll have that over on Arsblog News, so join us there. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this very first Arscast of the brand new season. Let's hope it's the first of many that we can do in a good mood, because uh, I think I'd prefer that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Alright, James and I will be here on Monday uh, with an Arscast extra looking back on everything that happens to Arsenal and over the first weekend of the Premier League season. Please do join us for that. Remember, 
remember, you can subscribe to the Arsecast on iTunes. Uh, you can find it in your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Arseblog or Arsecast. If you want to give us a review, that would be fantastic as well uh, on iTunes. It helps us. It makes us feel all special and warm inside. And what better way to get the season off to a good start than a nice review on iTunes? And, of course, three points and uh, Jamie Vardy looking particularly unhappy. I'd take that, wouldn't you? I think you would. All right, catch you on the next one. Until then, have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for being here at Piffle and Minge Auction House. Our final lot of the evening, a very unusual one, a job lot of footballers. Now let me start the bidding. I've got Kieran Gibbs for £5 million. £5 million for Kieran Gibbs. Do I see any hands for £5 million? Kieran Gibbs, Kieran Gibbs, Kieran Gibbs, £5 million. £5 million, £5 million, Kieran Gibbs. I will throw in a Lucas Perez and drop the price to £4 million. £4 million. Anybody give me £4 million for Lucas Perez and Kieran Gibbs? Kieran Gibbs, Lucas Perez, Lucas Perez, Kieran Gibbs, £4 million. £4 million. Do I see any hands? I don't see any hands. I see a lot of people looking at the floor, not even any feet. Three million, three million, and we've got Matthew Debushi, Kieran Gibbs, and Lucas Perez. Anybody? Three million, 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 two million, and I will throw in Carl Jenkinson, Jenkinson, Gibbs, Debushi, Perez. Anybody with two million, two million for these four footballers, four footballers, two million, Chuba Akpom, and I'll take it down to a million. I'll accept a million. Anybody give me a million, a million pounds, million pounds, million pounds, million pounds, million pounds. Anybody give me a million pounds for these footballers, Jack Wilshire, and I will give them all away for five hundred pounds. Anybody with five hundred pounds, five. £500 for Jack Wilshire, Kieran Gibbs, Lucas Perez, Chuba Agpom. Do I see £500? No. £500, 400 £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £400, £